Whoa, is that magic? (laughs) No, it's just something that we use to help the brain process and keep moving forward. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So sit back, relax, and join me as we get into mental magic. I'll see you on the flip. The situation on the A part was when I took my first class in NLP and I was just uh, totally shocked. Um, The way I ended up there was kind of a circuitous kind of route. Um, This was when I was coming uh, back from corporate America and deciding that I was going to go full full tilt on my counseling uh, side. And I was trying to bone up on my skills and stay relevant and stay up to date. And I went and had recently completed not one, but two clinical hypnotherapy certifications. And now I was like, okay, what's the next thing? Because I wanted to offer well-roundedness to my clients. And thus I ended up in an NLP training. And I found myself looking around like, what kind of wizardry is this? Because people would do things and um, I'm not going to, you know, this is not going to turn into an NLP class. But what I am going to say is that for a lot of the stuff that I saw done over and over in repetition, there was no denying that we have some mental wiring that is just, it's cuckoo, y'all. It really is. I mean, how is it that people who are in the know can do something like place things that have a conversation that bypasses your understanding with your subconscious and that totally gets your subconscious to do what they bid. And you've heard of um, the subliminal ads from the 50s that they had to tell companies to stop doing, you know, when in the movie theaters, they would flash these little uh, images real fast. And all of a sudden there would be a run on popcorn and and Coca-Cola at the at the commission stand and all of that kind of stuff. Um, It it, it started not started, but that's a simple explanation of this. But it's it just goes on and further and further and further. And and by the time I um I was at this whoa, it was because this guy was like, oh, okay, so for all my hypnotherapists out there, you know, and I'm just gonna be honest with you, they kind of look at us side-eyed because we can be a little, yeah, we can be a little however, because we're not hypnotist. We're hypnotherapists, meaning that we put people, not put them, we we invite people into a very relaxed state to be able to do what we would call brief therapies, where it doesn't take as long because we get to access this subconscious. Whereas an hypnotist uh, is going to help people if they're trying to do therapeutic wise uh, to just expose some stuff and, 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 and everything. So I'm not trying to say that we're the more gentler of the, of the two, and I'm not going to say that either is better, or I'm just going to say we have different approaches of, of looking at it. And so uh, it quickly became known to me that me and my friend who had decided to take this class together, this NLP master did not necessarily have a good, good, um, view of hypnotherapist. And so he 
uh, demonstrated and did things uh, for like, say for instance, rapid induction, meaning that you snap a finger, someone is totally out. And we were like, no, no, you can't put them in a catatonic state and all this kind of stuff. And we're like, just shut up, just shut up and just shut up, you know. So anyway, I was mentally uh, fatigued by the middle of the day and I had days more of this training. And this was the first day that by the end, I was just like, whoa, is this, is this magic? What is this? Because my mind was having to expand and grow and understand. And it it was just kind of like being unplugged from the matrix. And I'm like, what the what? And so I kind of like hesitated on whether or not I should talk to you guys about this. And so I actually was talking to a, 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 a good friend and I was telling them some of the um the topics that I have been keep you know I've been continuing to push back and push back and they're like go for it you know people show up and 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 if they continue to show up they want to hear what you have to say and so today I'm like I'm going to talk a little bit about the mental magic the first thing I'm going to say is is that a lot of people and when I say a lot of people I'm talking about the majority of people who have regular access um and exposure to Western society, uh, meaning social media, uh, commercials, entertainment, and all that stuff, I'm going to venture to say that in some regard, you are walking around in a hypnotic state continually. Continually. Yes, I did not stutter. And I have actual hands-on experience. So, uh, go back 10 years. I'm, I'm sitting in my office and, you know, I'm, I'm private practice now and I'm, um, having clients come in and we're working and depending on the modality that we both decide is mutual, I'm starting to notice that my hypnotherapy clients, I'm getting, first of all, more word of mouth because more people are saying, yeah, go to her. It, you know, it doesn't take as long and you get results and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thankful for that. But then on the other end, I am starting to find out that when I do my inductions and all this kind of stuff to prepare them, that they're already hypnotized and that to help them, I have to dehypnotize them before we can do anything. And it got me to thinking. And that's another reason why I started, you know, looking at the NLP to, to help me get just more quivers in, in, in my field to have more arrow, I mean, more arrows in my quiver to be able to, to shoot down these obstacles. And if you're listening to yesterday, wink, wink, you understand what I'm talking about with obstacles, to shoot down more of these obstacles that we were running into. And I'm sitting there uh, over and over again, getting people who were in a hypnotic trance. Now, I'm going to say this. Some of them were in this trance knowingly but unknowingly, meaning that their subconscious had put them there because to do otherwise, they might have a mental break because of all of the stress and trauma that their lives consisted of. And let's just get, a, let's just, I'm not even talking about people who might be in voluntarily abusive or stressful situations. No, I'm talking about people who they had a daily job to do. They put their, their, their life on the line. They had 
kids and family and friends and parents depending on them to do what they do daily. And thus, to be able to function, they had to live in this kind of situation, you know. And so all of my counseling theory and uh, application, I mean, these people worked me over because when I knew better, I knew what to look for. You see, prior to becoming... um, part of uh, uh, using the hypnotherapy side, I would just think, okay, we're going to use, you know, this modality or CBT or, or talk therapy or positive therapy. You know, I, I would just go down my menu, but they would take a while. And for some people, it just wouldn't work. And, and that got to be so frustrating until I started realizing that this was the issue. And that was a lot of people, people were hypnotized and or enslaved in their minds. You see, that's why I didn't, I hesitated a little bit about saying this today, but there are a lot of people that currently live in mental slavery and they don't even know it. I think one of the the worst things I used to tell my clients and myself, I said, one of the worst things you can ever do is to have a continual diet of of self-untruths where you lie to yourself daily to make it through. But I had to amend that when I started having more tools at my disposal, because now that I understood hypnotherapy, I knew that these people were hypnotized. And then when I got, um, I didn't become certified in LP. I just wanted to know enough to be able to know what was afoot. But then when I started being able to uh, help people with benign um, NLP practices to help them, the the it, it just opened up an entirely new world to the point where I had to start working on my own mental slavery. And I want to talk a little bit about that today and give you some wisdom smacks because this uh, particular topic is expansive and it would take a long time for us to go through it every little jot and tittle. But I want to hit you with some useful useful wisdom smacks that will help you to start identifying all those little foxes that run around in the back of your head that uh, cause you to stop, cause you to um, flip out, cause you to not want to continue to do things and it just doesn't even make any sense. And so with that, yep, let's get started. Okay. So there are various types of mental slaveries. The most prevalent ones have to do with self-identity and with self-definition. Now, you would think identity and definition were the same, but they are not. They are in the, I'm going to say they cousins. That's what I'm going to say. All right. So let's start with self-definition. With that one, um, in today's society, we are we are seeing people who have now been given the freedoms and the courage, because I don't think I want to use freedom. I'm going to just say we've, we've got more people that are having the courage to start identifying with how they define themselves, whether that is in sexuality, in, in um, ethnicity, in uh, political understanding of, of how they define themselves. That's how people are going for it. And I'll tell you, it's causing a lot of ripples for a lot of people because what do you do when someone defines themselves and it's it's non-conforming, it's non-binary, it's they, it's, you know, are you the Borg? You know, all of these different things are causing a lot of people, a lot of uncomfortableness because we're having to stretch and grow. 
So self-definition is that understanding of uh, who you are in the way that helps you to grow and expand the most. For some people, in their self-definition, they're like, if I could define myself as anything else, I would, because this is the hardest obstacle course I think I'm going to run. But this is how I feel that I can be the most sane to define myself. Okay, so you got that one, right? And that tends to unlock another door that for a lot of people remains uh, closed until they start going through um, these areas of evolution. And the next one, like I said before, is self-identity. So whereas you have self-definition of how you define yourself, your self-identity is more external. It is more who do I identify with and as in a proclamation to myself? You know, you'll, you'll, you'll start to see this when you have people who say, I'm part of this community or I'm part of that community. And if the, even if they never say it, who they tend to matriculate with, hang out with, befriend, uh, who they tend to have very similar uh, behaviors, understandings, and belief systems, okay? So, you got your self-definition, that's an internal thing, and it usually is something that when people really start to focus on it, it may surprise them. And then you have your self-identity. That's the taking the definition and externalizing it, where then you find your tribe, your people, your cause, your community, okay? So we've got that. The next thing after this, now we're, we're talking about the different little pockets of mental slavery. The next thing, and this is the one that I was encountering a lot, and that is mental conditioning. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. And I wish I could say all of it is external and in, in, in it with intent, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, there is this uh, professor out of Oregon State, and uh, she did a, um, a, not a study, well, yeah, she just studied over the years, and it's called PTSS, and it's called post-traumatic slave syndrome, and it is not, it, it's uh, American-based, as you can tell, and it is not just for African-Americans, it's for everybody um, who has family legacy um, in uh, North America, especially the United States. And she talks about how uh, just as we can tra- uh, as we can pass on uh, genetic traits and even propensities for illnesses, we can do that with the traumas of our ancestors. And so she talked about how it affected the different, you know, uh, ethnicities, because there's only really one race, you know, homo sapien, uh, but how it, it, it affected the different um, ethnicities uh, and how that trickled down through the years. And what she does as part of a grant that she received, she gets an opportunity to travel to other universities and other places. And I, I'm sorry, I forgot to give her name. Her name is Dr. Joyce DeGruy. And you can just Google her, Dr. Joyce DeGruy. And uh, PTSS, post-traumatic slave syndrome. And so she travels and she talks with people. And what she has found is that as she starts going through her presentation, um, people have reactions that are across the board. And what she, part of her therapeutic approach is that she does not try to placate the issue. She does not try to back off of the issue, no matter who 
And it's not about pointing a finger at you did this or you did that. It's just presenting, you know, her findings, her facts. And what she has come away with is that because of our conditionings, the biggest thing is that just like illnesses can pop up, these traumas can pop up. And they don't necessarily have to do with anything you specifically did, but because you inherited them, they are triggered. And, you know, not you know, but we use this term called epigenetics to study why certain genes turn on at certain times and others don't. You know, you can take a a set of triplets who all have uh, the markers for a certain type of cancer and maybe two of them get it and one of them don't. And so they study them to figure out what caused these um, things to develop because all of them had the possibility for it but why did two get it and one didn't and so it's the same thing with our traumas with our emotional health and uh, even when you look at things like schizophrenia which can be inherited it's the same type of thing and so the you know this part of mental enslavement has to do with inherited um nurture nature um, and inheritance of certain things that people have to become aware of and deal with. And then the next one. Yeah, there's another one. Okay, so let let me go back and recap. So we've had uh, self-definition, self-identity. Then we've had uh, social and uh, familial um, conditioning. And then we have, and I, I'm sorry, I said conditioning. I'm, I'm getting con- conditioning. I meant social and familial inheritance of trauma. Now we'll get to the social conditioning. You guys, please forgive. I hope you're still with me on this because I know this is kind of a little heavy, and, uh, but I, I'm, I'm taking a leap of faith here to talk this with you, okay? And that is that uh, social conditioning, the area where... Um, I was starting to come up against and didn't realize that it was there. And that is that um, we have to take time to do mental maintenance, just like we would take a bath or shower, just like we clean our homes, uh, just like we um, clean the foods before we ingest them. You have to do that with your um, your mind as well as your feelings. And I want to kind of put um, them in their different perspectives. Because um, a lot of times people conflate your thinking with your feelings and they're not necessarily the same, you know. So you have to do it for both of them. You have to do it for your mental clarity and health as well as your emotional clarity and health. And I am not just talking about being socially astute to understand people's emotions and your own. No, I am talking about going and, and sewing up those frayed ends closing off those loops that keep going. One of the things that I will tell you is a a quick way to get out of enslavement is this little simple thing that you hear all the time, and that is self-forgiveness. And I'm talking about self-forgiveness even for stuff that other people did to you that you took offense to that caused you to have a little bit of, you know, let me, let me, you know, let me slow up. Let me uh, not talk to you anymore because it hurts too much. And with self-forgiveness, what you do is you release yourself mentally and emotionally 
to be able to move forward. Now, it's not that you have to go back and and re-engage with a person after they have done you wrong. No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is, is um, energetically, both mentally and emotionally, you have to sever those ties and you have to move forward. And so with that social conditioning that we have to be long suffering when it comes to people, you know, except for my extreme narcissists and psychopaths, social and psychopaths out there, if you don't fall in that range, then I'm going to tell you, there is uh, possibly some energetic ties that need to be severed so that you can move forward. And I had um, a client one time that asked me, well, how do I know if that's the case? And I'm like, do you from time to time have these people or situations pop up in a dream? And he was like, yeah. I was like, that's letting you know that you're mentally or emotionally ready and you can handle consciously working with that to forgive yourself and to cut the tie and to cut the guilt and the shame and and whatever lurks back there that would continue to drain you. And that's another thing about mental magic that I want to talk about today. And that is the power of getting a reset and a reboost of energy. One of the reasons why I exclaimed, this must be magic (laughs) when I was going through that NLP is because I felt and knew that I had regained some of my processing power. I felt it immediately. And so I didn't believe the guy when he said, you know, at the snap of a finger, you can reinvigorate yourself with just a few of these little things. And so because this is not about teaching you NLP secrets and practices, because I mean, let's let's face it, you can go online and in a few minutes do a few YouTube um, clicks and 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 learn little tips and tricks and and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, But what I want to say is, is I want to let you know that nine times out of 10, if you have not done your personal work, shout out to Byron Katie for, you know, the work. Uh, Anyway, that's that's a little fangirling for another therapist um, with a wonderful background and um, legacy. But anyway, if you have not done your work, if you have never thought that, you know, maybe I need to seek therapy or counseling and you've just lived your life just by the wear and tear, you've possibly not had a good mental and emotional bath. And I will say this, sometimes therapy will show itself up in other ways. And those other ways can include having conversations with natural healing friends, people who know how to hold a space for you to talk and get it out. Not the folks where you hold the space and then they help you keep holding the grudge and make it worse. No, 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 not that. I'm talking about those types. And then meditation. The reason why we, we we harp on meditation so well is because meditation is another way for you to be able to have mental cleansing baths, emotional updates and upgrades and scrub away the grime and the excess that comes at us from all sides of stuff we have to deal with. And then I'm going to devote the, the latter part of this uh, talk that we're having today to what I like to call mental evolution. And to evolve is to transcend from who you are as a person to who you can be. And with this mental evolution, you would think it would be something really up there. And no, it's really not. One of the 
most powerful ways, besides meditation, as I've just said, one of the most powerful ways to mentally evolve is to do what I used to call, and I still call them that, let me just be honest with you, faith test. Now, your faith test, and I'm going to give you this little simple thing, your faith test is going to be such as this. You're going to take some type of paper, and for the next seven days, yeah, I'm going to give you a challenge. (laughs) Next seven days, I want you to write down a bold statement that you want to believe in, but it might take you a little bit to believe in it. Okay. And I want it to be something that you can verify, not something that is without form, you know, that you hope you achieve. No, something tangible or something that can be quantified and evaluated. So for instance, uh, the first thing that some people think of is, is I want to release or get rid of or expire um, three pounds. You know, that's something, I mean, but that's low hanging fruit. Uh, For someone else, it may be, And in my world, it can easily be something like for the next seven days, I am going to complete 70,000 words on my novel by the seventh day. And each day, um, now that's the statement that you come up with. And then I want you to evolve even that statement as if it has happened. And I want you, you know, to to write. So first, let me go back. So first, I want you to come up with a statement of something that you can do. Once you figure out what that statement is, like I said, I will, whatever, then I want you to change it into remember that time when I, so you make it past tense. So remember that time when I had a deadline and I had to produce 70,000 words in seven days. I'm so grateful. You notice I put the word grateful in. I'm so grateful that I accomplished it. And what I want you to do is I want you to write that statement in the morning and write that statement at night. Make sure you do it each time. So you should have 14 times if you need to number them so you know where you are. And not only do I want you to write that statement, I don't want you to write that statement and look at it like, I don't know. I want you to write that statement with emotion like, yeah, I did that. Okay. Now, caveats. Do not put something on there that usurps any other person's authority. Not, no, remember that time when I liked this girl and I wanted to date her and I was able to do it and she fell in love with me. Or remember that time when I had quit my boyfriend. I mean, my boyfriend quit me, but then we got back together. No, none of that, you guys. It should only be something that affects you because you cannot put that kind of karmic crap out in the in the ether you can't do it okay don't do it it only goes bad for you all right so it might be something like remember that time when I needed and don't put a dollar amount but put something like remember that time when I needed to change the transmission in my car and I only had seven days to do it and it worked itself out and I was able to get it done within a day or so after that seven days to raise it yeah I was so grateful for it happening and I was elated. I was so happy, you know, all these types of things and really feel the gratefulness, feel the elation, feel the comfort, the release of tension, whatever it is, each time you do that. And it should only take you no more than two 
minutes, maybe up to five if you like, right? If you're one of those people that just write, write, write. But the one thing I want you to do is keep it to one thing, even though, even though there might be a lot of stuff, keep it to one thing. Do it for seven days, okay? Seven days. Come back and listen to this podcast if you need to at the end, you know, to, to get, get it and keep it. And then I want you, when the seven days is over, no matter what, I want you to thank yourself. And if you believe in any supernatural entities or religious frameworks, thank whomever you um, show veneration to. That is done. No matter what, even if it doesn't look like anything happened, just thank them. And once you do that, I want you to forget about it. And I would say ceremonially, burn up what you wrote on. Now, that means you need to write on something that's disposable. Just burn it up so that you don't, or tear it up, you know, depending on the safety issues. Burn it up, tear it up, and um, hopefully don't put it in the trash, <laughs> but burn up the ashes. And what I would tell you to do is something like, um, you know, you can spread the ashes in uh, some place. Now, I, I will say this, and if you're asking if this is magic, yes, some people have actually used this as magic. Um, but is it anything crazy? No, it is not. What it is? What is it? It's a concentration of your intentions to elevate yourself mentally from who you are right now to who the person is that got what you said you needed to get. Now, I'm gonna tell you something funny, and that is, I have had people that I have worked with who needed financial stuff done. They did the whole thing. They burned it up, and I had this one lady. She said, "I burned it up, and I put it in my little spice." And, um, 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 thingy, and she said, you know, she did it on parchment paper or whatever, because you know, parchment paper is is um, organic. But um, my time is leaving, so let me hurry up. And she ground it down to a fine dust. And she said the next time she had to go make a deposit um, at her bank, she made sure that when she made the deposit, while she was um, in the parking lot, she just allowed the dust to fly in the wind. And uh, she said, why not put it in the place where the money lives? And I was like, okay. And the thing is, is she got it. Now, I'll tell you real quickly. She was uh, trying to get um, the rest of her down payment for a home that she and her family were going to live in. And it didn't, she didn't get it in seven days. I think it took her like 15 days for it to show up. But it did. And she was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, that was what she was saying. She's like, this mental magic is cuckoo. And I didn't call it mental magic at the time. But um, we were we were working on getting her to elevate herself, to get her to understand what she could do. And it was just a challenge. And so I wanted to leave you with that one because that one is usually really good at helping people understand their their mental power and how to break that stuff. So yeah, my time is up. I thank you for yours. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.